As many of you know, Todd McShay's NFL Mock Draft 3.0 was released this morning, and that's available on ESPN.com. One favor before we get started, in respect for your time, please skip any hi, hellos, or other personal greetings and begin right away with your question. This will help us keep the call moving. We'll start today with a question from Daryl Slater at the Newark Star-Ledger, followed by Nate Ulrich with the Akron Beacon Journal. Go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, Todd, as, as you look at the Jets there at six and knowing kind of maybe what they might do offensively with Jeremy Bates, why do you think Allen is a better fit for them and maybe what that scheme might be than, than Mayfield or Rosen? Well, it's a good question. I, I think Allen, for a, a lot of teams, has kind of separated himself from the other two. Now, with Jeremy Bates, I mean, you have someone who can coach quarterbacks. You have someone who I think could could help Allen in terms of the consistency of his footwork, which in result should improve the consistency of his accuracy. And in that weather with his arm and and the fact that it had big hand span to be able to grip the ball and throw the ball and has experience throwing in, in bad weather coming from Wyoming, you know, he's had the – the shoulder injuries, otherwise he's been durable, he's gotten bigger, he's gotten stronger, and um, if Darnold's off the board, listen, I'm, I can't speak for the Jets right now, they're probably still in their decision-making process, but I think he would fit certainly the climate that they're going to have to play in for a portion of the year, and I think, for again, for a lot of teams, it's become a little bit of a separation with, with Darnold, and Allen towards at the top, and then maybe I would call it Baker and, and Rosen, maybe a slight notch below. But that doesn't mean it's for all teams, and certainly there are varying views on this, this year's quarterback class. We'll go to Nate Ulrich, followed by Brian Costello with the New York Post. Hey, Todd, in your uh, mock, you kind of touched on um, – you know, the debate the Browns could face at number one between, you know, a quarterback, obviously Darnold is, is the guy you have now, or Barkley. Um, I was just hoping you could kind of break down how you view that whole situation with how badly the Browns need a quarterback, how obviously important a quarterback is, but also a guy like Barkley, you know, who's obviously being touted as the best player in the entire draft. Could you kind of break that situation down and, and what do you think would be the wisest move? Sure. I mean, it's, it is a difficult decision to make. Now, running back typically is not a, a position we see go very often. It's been a long time since we've had a running back go number one overall. But I think there, there have been exception to the rule-type players at that position. Adrian Peterson is certainly one of them. We've seen in recent years Todd Gurley, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette a year ago, have all had success. And I, I think Barkley is cut from a, a similar mold. He is an exception to the rule-type player. He's an instant impact guy who's going to come in, and, and obviously his, his run skills are exceptional. The speed and lateral agility that he has for a 233-pound back is, is very unique. He can catch the ball effectively, which he did in the, at Penn State, and he did it at the Combine. And, he can protect the quarterback position too. 
And you're getting a great leader and, and a, a hard worker, and he, he would probably become one of the, the leaders of that of whichever football team winds up drafting him. So the Browns have to weigh that versus the most important position there is and the fact, and I know it's John Dorsey and, and he hasn't been a part of any of the past failures, but it's been failure after failure at the quarterback position for the Browns. It's been two, almost 20 years, and and most recently three Three times they've used their second first-round pick on a quarterback that have not, have not had success. Brady Quinn, uh, Brandon Whedon, and, and Johnny Manziel. So if you think, if you're John Dorsey and you think one of these quarterbacks is going to be the answer and finally is going to be the guy and can be a leader at that position and you can get him at relatively cheap money when you compare that to the free agency market, especially Kirk Cousins, then I think, I think you have to pull the trigger. And I, I personally think that if you draft Sam Darnold, you're three, five years from now, you're not coming back to the, to, to the draft saying we need a, a quarterback. And I think that's the biggest. He has no durability issues to this point. He's as clean as it can be in terms of his, his character. His mental makeup is, I think, perfect in terms of his competitiveness, He's humble. He can he gets along with all of his teammates, but he pushes them. He's a leader, and I I think he would be the right decision there at number one. Now, with that with the caveat of what are they going to do in free agency with the quarterback position? If they go get AJ McCarron, then then maybe you think about taking Sam uh, taking Saquon Barkley at number one, and then maybe at number four you go after another one of these quarterbacks if you like two or three of the quarterbacks candidates that are out there in terms of the 2018 draft prospects. We'll go to Brian Costello, followed by Rich Campbell with the Chicago Tribune. Todd, I just wanted to see if you could kind of give an overview of how the top quarterbacks came out of the combine, if anyone helped themselves or hurt themselves there. And also, uh, just one more Jets question. At number six, if they, if they sign Cousins, you know, what direction would you have gone in your mock draft? I know Today you said, you know, you're assuming they didn't sign Cousins. But if they do that, which way would you go at six? Thanks. Sure. Um, if they sign Cousins, then you look at – I think they need to put playmakers around them and protect them. So, you know, I, potentially if, if Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard, was there, that would be a possibility. I I like Calvin Ridley a lot. I don't know if that would be a little bit too rich at the wide receiver position. There's no way Saquon Barkley's getting to number six. So, um, you know, after that, probably edge rusher would be if Bradley Chubb were to were to fall to them there. So, those are some of the positions I would I would look at. And but ultimately, you know, if the Jets don't get Cousins, then I think I think you have to go the the quarterback route. And as you were asking. Sam Darnold didn't do much at the at the combine, so I, I don't think anything really comes of that. Josh Rosen didn't have his best day throwing the ball. Uh, from varying people in the league that I talked to, I didn't get any negative reports about his interviews. I got a lot of reports that said he was really good, but it's a 15-minute interview. It's tough to, to gleam a lot from that, and and I got some that said he was, he was okay. So. Um, nothing really negative there. Baker Mayfield, I thought, was really consistent throwing the football. And and from most people I talked to, was really good in meetings. And 
than Josh Allen, I think, of any of them. Josh Allen seemed to surprise some people with how good he was on the board and how effective he was just interacting and, and just getting to know him a little bit more. There were some, some people who kind of came around on him, if you will, and, and were impressed by what he did at night where the cameras weren't on. So, And obviously his throwing session, we expected a, an impressive throwing session, but, um, but he, he couldn't have performed a whole lot better than he did on the field that day. We'll go to Rich Campbell and then Dave Burkett with the Detroit Free Press. Todd, I'm thinking about the Bears and three, four edge rushers that could be available for them near the top of round two at 39 overall. I'm curious, who are your best three day two, three, four edge rushers, and what are their strengths and weaknesses? I would say... Obviously, it depends on who winds up getting snaps later on. But I would say Arden Key from LSU. He's got. A, I think there's a strong chance he falls out of the first round. There's some issues to deal with there. But if you feel like you you're comfortable with his character and can put the right support group around him and make sure that he's staying in the straight and narrow and, and all that, then I, I think I think he, from a talent standpoint, is going to be hard to find somebody a little bit or any better than that. Um, Lorenzo Carter's an interesting one from Georgia. He had a great workout at the Combine. Really good player. He can, he's 6'5". Uh, what is he? 6'5", I think he measured in at, and 250 pounds. Ran extremely well. Ran a 4'5 flat in the 40 and, and showed the explosiveness in, in his drills and workouts that, that you typically see from high-end pass rushers. And then I would say for a third one, maybe Harold Landry. If he's not, again, if he's not snatched up late in the first, he kind of projects right in that, that late first to early mid-second round range. He, he didn't have the best 2017 season. He had an ankle injury at one point. Um, it kind of nagged him the second half of the year. He... Of all the defensive players I've watched, no player got more attention from pass protection, double teams, fanning protections to his side than than Landry because he was such a unique talent compared to everybody else in that defensive front. So his production wasn't great, but in 2016, I think he led the FBS in sacks, highly productive player. He has elite first-step quickness, does a great job of bending and dipping underneath offensive tackles and being able to tightly turn the corner. And he's, he's a player that brings some versatility as well. I've seen him in coverage. He does a, he gets decent cover skills. And while he's not a great point of attack defender versus the run, he certainly can be very disruptive with, with the speed and athleticism that he brings to the table. So those would be the three. Next up is Dave Burkett and then Tommy Birch with the Des Moines Register. Hey, Todd, thanks for the call. Um, Lions might be moving Eric Ebron here when the league year opens. I was hoping you could break down the tight end class for me a little bit, just how, how deep is it, and maybe, I don't know, day two, you know, round two or three, who are some replacements who could fill that, that Ebron role for them if they need to go that route? Yeah, it's a, I would say it's a solid tight end class. I don't, it's not a great group, but we've certainly had worse in, in years past I'm a big fan of, of Dallas Goddard, the South Dakota State tight end. Now, he's, he's been nicked up 
he actually went to the senior bowl, and I think it was like the third or fourth rep that he took. He, he wound up get, getting an injury, and it's just kind of a soft tissue injury. It's nothing serious long term. He hasn't been able to work out. He, he had the most reps of all the tight ends in the bench press, and he measured in at six, six four and a half, two hundred and fifty six pounds. He's he's kind of become rare in that he's a two way player. And by that I mean he can be an inline blocker and then he can legitimately go out and create some matchup problems when you when you detach him from the line and, and use him in that F tight end role. So I was really impressed with his tape. I think he's gonna work out well when he does eventually work out. Hayden Hurst and I should for Goddard, I think he's a late first round pick. Others view him early mid second round, but I, I think he beyond pick about twenty, I would say that he, he should be in play. Um, Hayden Hurst is a former baseball player. I think he's 25 or 26 years old. He will be as a rookie, so you have to factor that in. But he's a really good athlete. He's a guy who can stretch the field a little bit, and he can block as well. So I, I think those are the two most complete tight ends. After that, Mike Gusecki from Penn State. He's not going to block much for you, but he's, he's a guy you can move around. He's got speed. His combine performance was exceptional for the tight end position. And I think the thing that stands out most on tape is that even though the routes aren't always the prettiest and he doesn't always get separation, he figures out a way with his frame and his vertical jump and how long he is to go get late separation and uses his body to box out. He's as good a 50-50 ball guy as I've seen in a while. When that ball is up in the air, he's a former volleyball player, a great ups. And when that ball is in the air, he comes down with a really high percentage of the, the jump ball type. So I think Hayden Hurst is late first, early second. Gusecki is somewhere in that range as well. Then there's a little bit of a drop-off when you get to guys like Mark Andrews from Oklahoma, uh, who's a, a pass catcher, not a blocker. Same for, um, for Jordan Aikens from UCF, who 6'3", 250 pounds, but can really, really run. Tommy Burt is next, and then we'll go to Shannon Green with the Orlando Sentinel. Todd, I was wondering did how much Alan Lazard may have helped or hurt his draft stock at the Combine, and then do you see Joel Lanning getting drafted from Iowa State? You know, Lanning's a great story. I I think he's got a shot because of the, the passion for the game, the versatility. I think it would be more of a, on special teams right away, but then also you know to try to give him a chance maybe even a practice squad continue to develop. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's got a, an outside shot of, of getting drafted. Lazard, he's a big body. He's, he's, um, he does a great job when the ball's in the air. Had a game of his against Texas this year, saw him live. Um, obviously, it's 6'4 and a half, 225, 32 and a quarter inch arms. He ran I thought that... Four five five is a good time for that size. So to, to come out and run run a four five five, really I thought good jumps, thirty eight inch vertical, ten ten two in the broad jump. Didn't do any of the shuttles, so we'll we'll see. I'm assuming that's you know the big guys typically struggle with the three cones and the shuttles and all that. But um, uh, and so you want a little extra time to prepare and focus on those things probably solely at his pro day. So we'll see what those numbers are. But I I think he had a really good week at the Senior Bowl. I think if nothing else, you've got a, a guy who's a, a matchup problem for some defensive backs with the size and can be 
an effective red zone weapon. That's where he really excelled at the senior bowl, and, and he did, you know, really throughout his career at Iowa State. I, just to answer, give you, I think he probably projects in the middle rounds, like third, fourth round range. We'll go to Shannon Green and then Steve Megary with the Associated Press. Todd, uh, one of the, two questions. Wanted to know what went into your um, your projection for Mike Hughes going at number thirteen, and then also uh, Shaquem Griffin. Curious to know if you thought after his NFL Combine performance, if he did enough to sort of move up and where you see him landing. Yeah, with Hughes, he's he's just a really good cover corner. He's instinctive. He'll support the run. He's a ball hawk. You know, he had four interceptions, returned one, I think, this year for a touchdown. And he's a difference maker in the in the return game, too. So, I just, you know, he, he doesn't have the greatest top-end speed, but it was good enough. I thought that was a solid time he ran in the low four fives. And, and like I said, he just he knows how to come. He has good instincts. He's quicker than top-end fast, very fluid. And I think he's got a chance to, to be a real – difference maker when you just look at his ability to, to take the ball away, to take away a number one receiver, and then to potentially, depending on the team that drafts him and in what they already have and how they want to use him, but potentially to help in the return game. Uh, I, I think kind of like a Dory Jackson with the Titans and, and what he has done, as, what he did as a rookie, uh, I think I could envision that type of role for him in the NFL. Um, Oh, man, Shaquem Griffin, I mean, this dude's awesome. I mean, I, for all the great stories of, that I've been able to cover and, and been around in the NFL draft and the individuals and overcoming things, it, this has to be right up there near, the, near or at the top of the list. I've gotten to know him a little bit just through interviewing him and covering UCF in a couple of games, and he's, he's so much fun to be around. He just lights up the room. He brings so much energy to his football team in practice and in games. Um, I know talking to Scott that just they thought the world of him. And, and Scott came in, and obviously the previous regime was using Shaquem as a safety, and they they moved him and and got you know got him on the field and, and realized real quickly he was the AAC Defensive Player of the Year in 2016, and then really the past two years has been one of the better defensive players in college football. And he didn't even learn. They didn't even start teaching him how to rush the quarterback in terms of technique until this past year as, a, as an edge rusher type. So he picks things up quickly. He loves the game. Guys love being around him. And, you, you know, you're not invited to the combine, and then all of a sudden you get a late invitation and you go run the fastest 40 time in the history of the combine at the linebacker position. I, I thought that was, that was just awesome. So I – Third round is probably as high as he would possibly go, is my guess. I typically look, view the first three rounds as guys who can develop into full-time starters. I'm not sure that that's what he's going to be in the league. So it might be third. I'll be surprised if he gets out of the fourth round, though, at this point. Because with that speed, the ability to cover kicks, as he has, and, and then the ability to rush the quarterback and also to cover so you become a, an asset in the sub-package, I think, I think Shaquem's got a... a Definitely a future in the NFL, and I think he's going to come in likely as a mid-round pick and become a sub-package player and special teams maven. 
We'll go to Steve Megary and then Jeff Schudel with the News Herald. I was just wondering about your projections for three of the Tennessee guys who were invited to the Combine, Rashawn Galden, John Kelly, and Khalil McKenzie. Um, uh, I guess we'll start with McKenzie. Uh, I've got him. They're all kind of later round guys. So I've got McKenzie with a seventh round grade. Thought he, he worked out pretty well. Um, you know, to me, you look at what he brings to the table. He's six two and a half, three fourteen, strong. Can can be a really good run defender. Um, he also, so Cal, John Kelly was the other running back. I've got a fifth round grade on him. He's the sixteenth overall running back. A little bit shorter guy, but but tightly packed, put together. I think he's got a chance in, like I said, day three to come in and, and contribute and find a, find a way. He's probably going to have to find some special teams value as well. And then who's the other guy you asked for? I think it was. Tom, uh, can you open that mic one more time? John Go- oh, Golden, right? Yeah, the corner. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, 6'1", 197 pounds. We've got another fifth-round grade on him as well. So looking at you know, fifth, day three for all three of these guys. We'll go to Jeff Shudell and then Tom Green with AL.com. Hey, Todd, uh, how, do you, how difficult do you think it will be to sign a McCarran or any of these uh, free agent quarterbacks knowing that the Browns will – uh, use their first or fourth pick probably on a quarterback? That's a really good question. It really is because I, I'm i guessing McCarron would want some sort of assurance that he's going to, that they're not going to use a, a first, you know, one of their first round picks on a quarterback. He might ask for that. I don't know that they would be willing to give it to him. And, but it, you look at the Bears situation from a year ago. Mike Glennon would clearly have wanted to know if if um, if the Bears were going to use their first round pick and trade up and go get Mitch Trubisky after signing him. I, I'm almost certain of the fact that they weren't. They didn't give him any assurance that they wouldn't go use a first round pick. Uh, but maybe McCarron looks at that and some of the other situations that we've had in the league and. And maybe he and his agent decide, hey, we better we better figure out a team where I can go and I actually play. Because that's the frustration if you're McCarron. You you think you're good enough to start. When you played, you played pretty well. Um, and and now, but you've been stuck behind a, a starter. And now you you want to go get an opportunity to be the guy, even if it's for a year to prove that you can be the guy. So that that's that will be difficult to navigate if you're the Browns. And ultimately, does he wind up choosing somewhere else if they're going to give him promises or they're in a better situation to allow him to actually come in and be the, the starter? We'll go to Tom Green next, and then Joe Fan with the San Francisco 49ers. And I know you had on Johnson from Auburn among your top five running backs uh, before the Combine, after what he did last week and with his pro day coming up on Friday. What does he need to do specifically in the 40-yard dash to kind of solidify his standing there among the top five 
And then just your general thoughts on two of his teammates at Auburn, Braden Smith and Carlton Davis, after their combine performance last week. Yeah, well, carry on. He's a, he's, he's interesting. I, I studied more of his tape actually during the weekend at the combine, and I like him. I think he's, I think ultimately his strengths are that he's got acceleration. You know, he's a patient back. He waits for something to develop, and then once he sees it, he's able to really accelerate up the field and, and go. Uh, I think in terms of power, it's, he's missing some. He runs hard. He's aggressive. He's physical, and he will, he'll just throw, throw himself into a, a defender's arms, lower his shoulder, and, and do all the things you're supposed to do. I just don't see that strength to drive through contact as much as, as you want to see in, in a top back. So I, I think there are some, some weaknesses there and some challenges there. But as far as his workout's concerned, I mean, he, he did just about everything. The bench press was only 11 reps, which is not great, but it's, you know, it's, it's just the bench press. 40-inch vertical was one of the better verticals of all the, of all the um, running backs. 10-6 is a really good result in the, the broad jump. 707's solid in the three-cone, not great. Short shuttle was, was solid. So uh, across the board, he had a good workout. He didn't run a 40. I'm assuming he's going to run his 40 at the, at the Auburn Pro Day. At the end of the day, I think he's what you would classify as a, a, you know, a, a one-two punch type guy. I don't think he's going to be the starter and full-time bell cow for any team, but I do think he's going to be a really good change of pace back and a back that could be you know, 10, 12, or so carries in a game and, and function very well in a complementary role. Um, and then who else did you want? The Carlton Davis. Uh, Davis, let's see, he ran a, yeah, the 4.53, which is, I think, a solid time. He's a 6'1, 206 pound corner. He's built kind of like a running back. Inconsistent when the ball's in the air, but it does everything else at a high level. I really like this tape because he's physical, he'll press, he'll come up and support the run. I think he's going to be a really good number two or number three starter type in the NFL. And then uh, Braden Smith, I did his paper along with Carrion Johnson last week, so it's fresh in my mind. I mean, he, he does so many things well at a high level, and obviously he has experience. He's, he's a workout warrior. He loves the game. The tangibles are all there. Uh, when you look at him physically, he looks the part, no question. He has the length that you look for. And I think, really, to me, he belongs somewhere in that day two range uh, where, where you bring in a guy who's eventually going to develop into, into a starter. So, I, you know, Braden Smith, to me, he's a really good player at the college level, and I think he's got a chance to be a good starter at the next level as well. Joe Fan is up, and then we'll go to Christopher Walsh with SEC Country. Uh, Todd, why uh, Tremaine Edmonds to the 49ers at nine? Uh, and then on him, do you feel like he's a bit of a projection, um, you know, some uncertain what position he fits best at? He's only 19. Uh, and if so, what makes him a safer pick than, say, uh, a Marcus Davenport? Is it just uh, the upside of the ceiling? Um, uh, yeah. He's a better player than Davenport. I mean, I think that's – start there. Um, I think he's one of the best – six, seven players in this entire draft. I, I just don't see many like him. It, it, it's difficult 
to find a perfect cut because how many guys are six four and a half, two hundred and fifty four pounds or whatever the official measurement was, and play off the ball the way he does. He's so difficult to to throw around. Um, KJ Wright might be the the closest comp I, I can think of, um, and I think he's probably a better athlete when when you look at it. But you you just don't see guys this tall playing off the ball. Like I said, very difficult to throw around underneath, and he's he moves so well for a big guy. Um, he's I I watched his tape and he does a good job when he's covering up the, you know, he's displaced on a number two receiver. And so there's just so much position versatility there. He can rush the quarterback. Um, I wouldn't say he's the most physical thumper at the linebacker position, but he's, he's a solid tackler, and he uses his hands really well. I mean, when you're a long guy like that, you've got to use your hands well to keep blockers off your body, and that's what he does really well. So... I think the 49ers, they've got a handful of different needs you're aware of, but to me, if you get, you just want to draft an impact player and a guy that can be on the field all three downs and a guy that can give you different things. And I think in today's NFL with the passing game and more spreads, you've got to be, be able to stay with the same personnel at times and be, be able to line up and feel good about your matchups. And Edmonds, allows you as a defensive coordinator so much freedom. Next is Christopher Walsh and then Dwayne Rankin with the Montgomery Advertiser. Thanks. Um, Todd, Did how much did Deron Payne help himself with his 40 time and, and the 10-yard the split? And were there any other Alabama guys um, that you thought that really helped their chances or, or moved up um, at the combine? You know, I do. I do think that Payne helped himself simply because if you just look at the, the sack numbers, it's not over, you know, it's certainly not overwhelming. But if you study the tape, you see a guy that's really highly disruptive. I mean, I think back to that Georgia game and the interception that he forces because of pressure. And he's just, he's in, in or around a lot of big plays. And so you look at, some people get caught up in the numbers, let's just put it that way. And some people can't see past that and believe that, you know, if, if you're not a sack production guy in, uh, in college, you're not going to be a sack production guy in the NFL. And so if that's your theory, then Payne's probably not your guy where you're going to have to use a pick on him. Because when you look at it, you know, the, the, um, he's had a bunch, of tackle, uh, a bunch of tackles, but not the, the sacks. One, one and a half sack in 2016 or 2015. Um, I think only one, one sack and tackle for losses past year. But again, I, I just think the, num- the numbers, the stats are different than what you see on tape. And I think sh- him showing that he's able to, that he has this explosive athletic traits, it's six, two and a half, 311 pounds. He runs a, a one six seven, which is a really good ten yard split. A four nine five, anything sub five for that size is awesome. Um, he has a solid vertical and, and solid um, broad jump, and then his, his cone drills were solid in the sh- and the shuttles. So across the board, he had a really good workout. And I think if, if you liked him before, you look at those numbers and, and you say, you know, we can kind of stamp that evaluation because he, he did everything that we thought and maybe even a little bit more. 
We'll go to Dwayne Rankin and then Ryan Dunleavy with NewJersey.com. Uh, yes, uh, you talked about Ridley, uh, possibly the Jets, if they wanted to maybe take a stretch on him, taking him at six. But what what is it about him that makes him such an attractive uh, receiver? And is part of this because there's not as many high-end receivers at, at, at his level? That's what's making him a more valued pick in this year's draft? Um, I, I just think he's, he's a first-round talent on any draft. I really believe that. Now, he's got to continue to get stronger. He's got to work on some of the focus drops that you see on tape. And the, the, the jumps were surprising. His, um, you know, as poor as he did in, in the, the vertical jump and the broad jump was, was a little bit alarming. And even the, the, the uh, short shuttle, 4-4-1, there's not times that match up with what you see on tape or, or results that match up with what you see on tape. But from a route running standpoint, I think Ridley's one of the better college route runners that I've ever evaluated. He knows how to get off press. He's crafty. He's quick. His game's built on quickness, lateral agility, and speed. He ran the 40 time you wanted to, wanted him to to run. Um, he comes in at six six foot and a half, 189 pounds, and runs a 4.43, which is a great time. So, I think between the ability to separate as a route runner and then his ability to create after the catch gives him some home run potential. And there are a lot of teams out there with quarterbacks that rely on guys getting open quickly and then creating yards after the catch because they're not Tom Brady, they're not Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think for one for any of those teams that Ridley would be would be a real positive and a real upgrade. And so I that's why I think he's the only receiver in this class that I have a first-round grade on. There are some other guys hovering kind of in the top 40, top 50, but uh, he, to me, is the sole first-round wide receiver purely based off of grade in the 2018 class. Next is Ryan Dunleavy and then Ben Swanson with the Denver Broncos. Todd, I know you had the Giants picking uh... – Barkley, but if they went with a quarterback, where do they turn early second mm-hmm. round, early third round for both to sure up both running back and offensive line? Who could be there at the top of both those rounds? Um, if they go running back top of the second round, it could be Darius Geis if he makes it from LSU. He's a banger, physical runner, loves contact, but has, has some quickness too. Um, I think. I'm interested to see Nick jo- uh, Ronald Jones. I mean, from USC, is he gonna? You got I forget what injury it was, but he gets injured working out at the combine. But he's an explosive back who I want to see if he's able to to run again and, and what numbers he puts up. But there's some some big playability there. Sony Michelle, I, I think, is a really good early second round pick out of Georgia. He didn't have the the 40 time or maybe the workout that Nick Chubb had. Chubb was kind of the, the bell cow for, for Georgia, or at least was the primary guy, and Sony played the complementary role. But I think Sony's got a little bit more explosiveness. I think he catches the ball well, which wasn't utilized as much as it probably should have been later in his career at Georgia. And I, you, know, you watch him against some of the, the top-level defenses, including Alabama, and his ability to, to create yards with his speed and, and agility, to me, is – 
makes him a really good value. I mean, there's only one Saquon, but if you're going to talk about a value pick, I think those guys, maybe Jones, Sony Michelle would be really good value picks early in the second round if, uh, if you're the Jets. Now, offensive line, you know, this tackle class is kind of falling apart a little bit, but Jerron Christian from Louisville is a name I think you continue to hear more and more of. 35-inch arms, 6'5", 298 pounds. I think he's going to be an early second-round pick. Mike McGlinchey could get there coming out of Notre Dame. He's the guy right next to Quentin Nelson in all the tapes. Almost 6'8", 309 pounds, experienced player, great football character. Uh, he's got some athletic limitations, but they're not – he can overcome them and, and become a good starting right tackle, I think, in the NFL. Terrell Crosby, kind of a bad-body offensive tackle coming out of Oregon, but he plays a lot better. You can get kind of well to sleep because he doesn't look the part necessarily, but he is really efficient and a really good player both sides. And Brian O'Neill is a former tight end from Pittsburgh who's good athleticism but needs a little bit more sand in the trunk. And then Colton Miller, excellent workout from UCLA. His tape is up and down, but 6'8 and a half, 309 pounds, 34-inch arms. He's, he's toolsy. I mean, he's got all the, the skills that – natural tools that you look for, but he just he's going to need a little time to develop and become more consistent. Next we'll go to Ben Swanson with the Denver Broncos. With the recent reports about uh, Josh Rosen being too smart and that kind of thing, uh, how much do you gather from teams? How concerned are they about that, or is, or is that kind of just a, uh, some kind of false reports or something? Well, I wouldn't say too smart. I think smart is, you know, I think that's one of his strengths is that he is highly intelligent. I think what you've got to sift through, and some teams seem to be a little bit more concerned than others, but what you need to sift through is how does he treat his teammates? Can he be a good teammate? Um, There's been some talk that he can be condescending to his receivers when they don't run the right route or, if they're not in the right place at the right time. And then he, he's a why guy, too, which, again, depending on how he handles that, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. And by why guy, I mean if you tell him to adjust his, his footwork on this seven-step drop, he's going to ask you why. What's the benefit of it? If, he, if they're going to put in a new installation and run some different plays, he's going to want to know why. What's the purpose? What, what are we trying to accomplish here? Some people, for some coaches, that's a great thing. For other coaches, it becomes, you know, daunting. Just, just do your job. Just do what I say. So it, I, it's very much viewed differently through the prism that you're viewing it. I think the biggest thing for Rosen is, to me, he's the most polished, pure pocket passer in this class. I think he can have a lot of NFL success. Does he want to be an NFL player? Does he want to put in the time and work? If he does, that's great. Can you, do you like him? enough to, that you're going to bring him in your building and he's going to make it work from a personality standpoint. And I think that that, that kind of varies from one, one organization to the next depending on who's in charge and who your leaders are. So I think it's going to be really important that, that he goes to a place that's accepting and embraces who he is rather than fighting to always try to put him in a, in a box that doesn't fit for him. Everyone, I'm sorry we have to end the call a bit short today. That's all the time that we have, but we will have more calls in the weeks 
ahead. So please keep an eye out for those advisories. I do apologize we couldn't get to all of you. Thanks so much for joining us and talk to you again soon.